This is a, another episode of the Wreak Havoc podcast, and today we have a very special da- guest, Michael Wallach. H- how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys. I, um, I usually do like uh, alternative health podcasts and that kind of thing, and um, you guys are coming from another perspective, so um, it's, that's, that's kind of fun and interesting for me, so um, you know, it's great. Definitely, yeah, and uh, with within within the podcast we have here, it, it, it really doesn't matter. We we really don't go too niche either direction. You know, the the audience is, is young people, impressionable people, and uh, people of the digital age. So it really comes down to being able to be aware of everything that's going on in life, not just you know one side or the other or niche or the other, and that's what this podcast is about. So. Uh, so tell me a little bit and tell the audience about who you are, maybe your story and what got you to this point. <laughs> um, well, my story is a long one. Uh, I'm not really sure where to, where, where to start, but um, you know, uh, the most recent thing, we could talk about how on earth I ended up doing this, but um, I just... Uh, so you know, I just came out with a, a documentary series uh, called "The Viral Delusion," um, which is um, about, in a lot of ways, about the history of medicine and the history of disease, uh, and um, of course about uh, COVID and and what's been going on the last couple of years. Um, it's a, a really different take than what you'll hear in the mainstream news. Um, it's a really different take than what you'll hear from most doctors. Um, and uh, I, I think um, in a lot of ways that's what makes it really interesting, um, but um, it's also really meaningful to me, um, and uh, the journey of making this movie probably goes back a, at least 10 years for me, um, and uh, I would say really about 15 years uh, to when my wife uh, got sick um, about 15 years ago, and uh, we had to... Um, really uh, go beyond what the normal, you know, uh, standard of care was offering uh, in order to figure out what was going on. And when we did, uh, we we figured it out right away and um, it wasn't a problem after that. So um, that was sort of what opened my eyes to uh, realizing that um, the the mainstream medical complex is uh, not what is uh, advertised to be. Um, and, uh, and once you open that door, man, it's, it's just, that is just a massive, massive industry. It is a massive, uh, uh, set of, of intellectual paradigms that, um, uh, history has, has thrown our way, um, that are broken, um, that are not doing service to people. And, um, most people, certainly me, like when I was in my twenties, and younger, I didn't realize that. I, I thought, you know, oh, you go to the doctor, and the doctor tries to make you better, and that's kind of the end of the story. And the doctor's this really well-educated person, and you know, that's you know, they 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 sort of have uh, a monopoly on uh, how to think about health, uh, and and that's just not the case. It's absolutely not the case. So, um, as I said, it was a long journey to 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 get to the point where uh, I made uh, this uh, documentary series. Um, but it's such an incredible story. I felt like I, you know, uh, the more I learned, the more I wanted to get it out there. 
Definitely. And I was watching the trailer just today for uh, on your website, and it was very interesting, intriguing, actually. The you know with all these doctors and journalists having their takes and. Especially, especially, of course, it goes against the grain of what is the uh, status quo of today. Now, tell me, tell us a little bit about what do you think this? When do you think this started? Because you know, I was just digging around some statistics today, and you were talking about you know mainstream media. I think we were looking at eleven percent is the confidence rating for television media, and around sixteen percent for newspaper. Where did this start? What do you think? Like, not just let's not just go down the rabbit hole of what mainstream media is and all that. But what about like confidence and the the whole industrial complex of what is medicine? When did this kind of start? Where there may not be everything. Everything may not be what it seems. Where do you think that started? Oh man, um, it's funny because some um, you know there's there's different people who look at different aspects of this. And one of the scientists that um, that, that I uh, interviewed and spoke with at great length, who's really been a foundational, fundamental force um, in exposing a lot of the fraud. I mean, he, he traces it like back like thousands of years to um, a sort of sense of materialism. But um, I, I would say in a, in a big way, it started with um, Pasteur in the mid-1800s. Um, you know, everybody knows about Louis Pasteur, uh, you know, he's kind of considered the, the grandfather of modern medicine, um, you know, your pasteurized milk and um, uh, there's all sorts of, you know, basically the foundations of germ theory go back to Pasteur. Um, but what people don't realize is that he was an, an out and out fraud. And uh, we know this because he kept two sets of notebooks. And uh, one was the set of notebooks that he was outwardly showing to the public, and the other were his private notebooks that he kept for himself. And uh, when he died, he left those notebooks uh, in his will uh, to his family under the instructions that they never be shown outside the family. Um, but one of his descendants, uh, not too long ago, felt that uh, they were sitting on you know, really valuable uh, knowledge and um, gave access to those notebooks to a professor at Princeton to go back and look through them uh, to get at uh, a deeper understanding of you know, who this man was. And what the professor at Princeton discovered was that he was a fraud. Mm. And, uh, and he, he was you know, even writing it to himself. Um, you know, don't let this get out there. You know, this is what I've really done. This is you know, what I'm saying. And, um, and, you know, again, this, is the, this really is the grandfather of modern medicine. So, um, you know, I think a lot of it goes back to Pasteur um, and the idea that um, medicine could be uh, weaponized and industrialized. Um, so back, you know, in France, uh, at, you know, in the mid-1800s, uh, uh, you, you see the growth of um, the, pharma, the, the beginnings of the pharmaceutical industry. And the idea that if they can label a germ or uh, some particle as the cause of disease, then they can manufacture a poison that will kill that germ. And, um, and then they could sell that. And uh, the uh, French nobility was highly invested in uh, what, uh, basically in, in, in the beginnings here of the pharmaceutical industry. And um, so you had this, this the, the beginnings of the same, what I would call, say, fascism that we have today, which is the growth of um, 
the, the three components. One is the uh, industrial component. The second is the, the, um, the political component. And then the third is the scientific or pseudoscientific justification. So the scientific uh, 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 institutional role there. And, and, you know, so long as these three uh, institutions um, were all uh, making money and were all pushing each other, there was really nothing that could stop them. So there were, there were scientists, you know, during Pasteur's day who would speak out um, like there's a very famous uh, scientist named uh, Beauchamp um, who tried to expose uh, Pasteur. Uh, there were numerous countries where Pasteur wanted to come and quote unquote vaccinate their sheep or their animals, and the countries uh, began to grow suspicious of this man. And you can read the letters back and forth between farmers and and Pasteur. Basically, the farmers saying. Uh, if you want to come and inject all our sheep, uh, we've heard that the last sheep you injected all died. So you better present us with some evidence that, that you're not going to kill our sheep. And, and you know, once he's presented with this, this happened in Italy, it happened in Russia, um, the, the pastor would back down and he would just kind of move on and try to, you know, bring the circus somewhere else. Um, so I think, you know, he was, he was really a monumental figure in, in, in how this whole way of thinking um, uh, is has been built on a house of cards from day one. Um, and then you see the same thing with the rise of the German pharmaceutical companies um, a little bit after that. Um, and then um, you also see uh, with the rise of uh, Edward Jenner in England um, and his attempt to uh, convince everybody that smallpox um, was due to a virus that he could... Um, "Quote unquote," immunize people from, um, and again, you saw many, many doctors at the time speaking out, saying this is absurd; it's not working. He would uh, essentially experiment on orphans and uh, kill numerous orphans. Uh, his own son died at a very young age, um, but you know he he played a really big role in uh, the growth of the uh, idea that you could, uh, the doctors could make money uh, not just from sick people, that they could actually go around and they could um, sell this idea that they, that they could, uh, you know, see as customers the entire population. Um, so it became um, a very popular idea, um, you know, going way back. And then it was, it was used early on for political purposes as well, like you had, um, you know, uh, French um, uh, uh, government officials saying that German boats can't use French docks uh, because German boats have bacteria on them that French boats don't have. And then the Germans came back and they said the same thing about French boats. So um, I, I would say in our modern times, um, that's the first, the, you know, Pasteur and Edward Jenner and, and Robert Koch, uh, in, in Germany. Those are the three sort of key figures. Um, every one of them uh, uh, has been exposed uh, as, as, as uh, practicing pseudoscience, uh, we now know. But they're, they're the three pillars of modern medicine. Um, and when it comes to uh, chronic disease, when it comes to um, uh, epidemiology, um, and, but you know, 
that's still what most doctors learn in medical school. They're, they're not exposed to any of the critical literature, any of the, the critical history. And, um, you know, anybody who's read history knows that you have to read the critical literature in history if you're going to understand what happened because the victors write the story. And um, if you don't read the critical literature, you, you just don't even know what the story was. Um, so anyway, that's a bit of a long answer, but um, wow, that's... It's good. It's good. Yeah. So pretty much stems back to fame slash greed slash propaganda as like a a stool, a three-legged stool of just pseudoscience. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think that's true. And I, I, I don't think that, um, you know, I think that it's very easy to convince yourself that you have uh, discovered something really exciting uh, on behalf of humanity. If, um, you know, you start to see a little bit of evidence pointing in your direction uh, and then you run with it and then other people run with it. And, you know, before you know it, it's become a whole, uh, you know, it's, it's just entered into the mainstream um, ideology and, and you're being foisted on people's shoulders. And it's very hard at that point to say, maybe I was wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think, I, I mean, I think, Pasteur is clearly a fraud. Um, you know, maybe he held out the hope that he was right, but that uh, you know his experiments just weren't proving what he quote unquote knew to be the case. Um, you know, I, I a long time ago I used to work for the State Department, and um, you know I was a I was a pollster. I would do surveys of people around the world to to get a sense of like what they think about various issues. And, you know, if your polls came back differently than what you, quote unquote, knew to be the case, it was very hard to accept those results. You know, you didn't want necessarily to go out and say, oh, actually, it's, it's different than what I thought. You know, you want to just kind of keep going back and, and, well, let me test it again because I'm pretty sure this other thing that I thought is true. And so sometimes... Reality can, you know, smack you in the face. And if, if, you know, in Pastor's case, I think what he was doing is he was just saying, well, let's just sweep it under the rug because it must not be true. Uh, what, I, what I thought, what my superstitions are, that's got to be the case. Um, and I think, like, to a huge degree, that's what we're seeing now. So basically, a lot of, a lot of uh, people of science not even following the scientific method themselves are like practicing what they preach very interesting oh, yeah absolutely i mean the scientific method is like it's it's very hard to find in science now very hard to find which is i mean I, I, absurd I, right it's totally absurd it's 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 uh it's totally absurd i mean i, I spoke to like david raz this guy david raznick he was a uh you know 40-year biochemist um phd ran a big you know uh lab for one of the biggest uh biological testing companies in, in the world. And uh, he was, you know, his words, science is dead. Mm. Science is dead. I said, you know, well, like, who's doing good science now? He said, nobody's doing good science. It doesn't exist. It literally doesn't exist. Nobody, nobody asks questions. Nobody follows the scientific method. Um, what you get is a bunch of boys with, with toys. Uh, you have a lot of uh, big, uh, fancy computerized equipment. Uh, where people run uh, computer models of all sorts of um, hypothetical um, uh, simulations 
and then they call that science. Um, but it's not. That's, that's an interesting uh, aspect of science. But until you follow the scientific method, you're not actually doing uh, you know, real science. You're, you're, yeah. you're participating in, in, a, in a bigger project. But um, what happens is political institutions, uh, you know, people like uh, Fauci and, and, and places like the CDC and WHO, they cherry pick these studies that, uh, again, conform to narratives that they want to uh, tell. Um, and, um, and, and that's what they call science. And if people aren't savvy to that, they, uh, you know, how are they going to know? You know, unless you can find the doctors that actually um, read these papers and think about them and ask questions, um, you'll never know. You'll never know. Uh, you speak a little bit about uh, historical fraud, but maybe maybe now talk a little bit about the fraud that we've been seeing the couple, last couple of years at the heart of the pandemic. Well, <laughs> so I mean, one of the most I mean, it's just it, it just blew my mind when I when I finally um, understood it, um, which is that they they and and I'll it's 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 quite a conversation. I mean, let me put it this way: I started off making a two hour documentary that was my aim and it, it turned into a seven and a half hour documentary series and i had to leave a lot on the cutting room floor i mean there were like scientists who were like emailing me like you left me out of the entire documentary series i was like man i didn't have time to get you in there you know <laughs> like it's this is too much but um the the really extraordinary thing that i that that i focused on was a group of doctors and scientists who went back and they read the initial papers, the initial scientific papers out of Wuhan uh, in, uh, at the end of 2019, and then the follow-up papers after that. Um, and what they found was that these papers never actually showed that there was a virus. And, um, and, and it's never been shown ever since. Um, to some of these doctors and scientists, um, that was a real surprise and they were really, uh, it really sort of led them on a long journey into medical history that they hadn't been on before. Some of them had already been on that journey and they weren't surprised at all because, uh, what they had discovered was that the entire idea, the entire modern conception of viruses of these little entities that um, uh, you know float through the air, uh, you know leave cells, enter into another cell, inject their uh, RNA into another cell, uh, you know take over that cell, and then you know uh, create more of themselves that way. That entire conception was built in the nineteen uh, fifties. And uh, was never proven. In fact, it's been disproven many times in many ways. Um, and what we've seen since the really the the the, the seminal paper in 1954 that was uh, has been used to establish this entire way of thinking um, is that all of these procedures grew that would sort of suggest that maybe this story is true. Um, but then the experiments that were done that showed that it's not true are pushed aside. 
uh, and it goes back to this sort of boys with toys thing. So we we saw the growth of these different kinds of experiments, these different kinds of things that you could do in a laboratory that would uh, push this idea. Um, and it's a very, very seductive idea. Um, it's sort of the modern equivalent of demons, right? Uh, in the 14th century, we might have thought you got sick because a little demon, uh, you know, uh, took over your body. And that would have been a very, you know, uncontroversial idea at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, well, in the 20th century, our conception of these kinds of things, I think, had a more sort of techno-materialistic um, uh, patina. And uh, the idea of this little RNA um, invader uh, grew uh, in the 1950s, as I said, and um, to the point now where, um, you know, like my son and I play uh, um, Nintendo, like I, I got him like a, a classic old, you know, uh, NES system. And, um, and uh, you know, we, we used to play Dr. Mario, right? Dr. Mario you know, there's these little, you, you got to throw the pills to kill the virus, right? So it's, it's now this idea of a virus um, actually existing and actually making you sick. People are like, well, yeah, of course, we, we, that, sure, of course, that exists, right? But actually, if you look at the scientific literature, um, it's, it, it, the science is, it's terrible, it's terrible science. And, um, and we've paid a huge price for it as a society. Um, but I think now that we have an entire, we've had the whole world shut down for two years. Um, there's so many more people that are interested in, you know, obscure medical history because they want to know what the hell's going on. And, um, and so we've seen, um, a real awakening, uh, and, um, and it's really exciting to see all these sort of doctors, um, all these doctors, scientists, journalists, activists, uh, working together, doing research, um, pulling history, um, doing new interviews, looking at new angles. Um, so I think there's this like huge re reawakening of um, uh, intellectual um, curiosity. And um, I think it's politically really important um, and, uh, I think if you aren't aware of it, uh, you should get on the, you know, um, get on the train or, or, you know, make yourself aware of it because, uh, it's, uh, it's vitally important to your health, uh, to understand these, uh, to, to understand what's going on. Um, and, if, you know, it's fascinating, uh, and it's politically interesting. So, um, I just I'm running my mouth, but no, uh, no, it's, it's, yeah. all, it's all good insights and kind of leads me into my next question. You know, you have you have a society that maybe the percentage isn't the mon the minority of society are free thinkers, independent thinkers, independent researchers. They don't necessarily head headline read. They dig more into the uh, notion of what's going on behind the scenes. What do you see now in terms of the future of how we're systematically doing that. You said, you said yourself that there's an awakening happening of people in the scientific field, but for like the common person, 
that uh, you know goes to work every day, maybe not necessarily in science, is told by either the media or the experts, quote unquote, what to what to believe, what not to believe. What would you employ them to to do? Where would they where would they start in terms of unraveling the complex nature of what is everything that's happening? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I would make it. I mean, I would start from a very, you know, a very basic perspective, um, and you know, to to try to cut to the bone of it. Um, what makes you sick are the food you eat, the water you drink, the air you breathe, your. Uh, mental spiritual experience of the world okay those are your inputs right is are you eating nutritious food are you drinking healthy clean water are you breathing healthy clean air are you stressing your body so that your body's constantly having to create uh, hormones or different chemicals in order to live the life that you're living uh, for various reasons, right? So that's really the A to the Z of health. You can go all the way back to um, to uh, Aristotle, where he said, "Look, there's two kinds of medicine in the world. There's medicine for slaves, and there's medicine for free people. The medicine for slaves is you see a symptom." You give them a drug so they can go back to work. The medicine for free people is you ask questions to understand why they're sick. Okay? Most people participate in the system of medicine for slaves. And hey, sometimes you gotta do that. Life isn't that easy, right? Sometimes you gotta take some thing that's gonna help alleviate your symptoms for a little while because you got to go to work or you got to, uh, you know, pick up your kid from school or whatever it is. Okay. But fundamentally, when you think about what is health, it's thinking about what Aristotle said in terms of medicine for free people. And that is, what are your surroundings? What's coming into your body? What are you creating in your own body? And that's, that's, Everything else besides that is a distraction. If you, if you start there and you turn off the TV, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, so uh, that, that, that wraps that piece up. Uh, kind of going back into, uh, you know, your docuseries and also the whole widespread mania of, of this actual fraud why do you think the story is being shuttered? Why do you, why do you think is it is it greed? Is it propaganda? As we spoke about, why is this story being you know hid away from the masses? I mean, I think it's all of these things. I think it's greed. I think it's propaganda. I think it's you know there's a lot of uh, uh, naivete out there. I think there's a lot of ambition involved. Um, God, I mean, it's just you can throw pretty much everything into the pot because it's such a gigantic uh, experience of what we're going on, you know, what we're what, what we're living through. Um, you know, <laughs> I think most doctors 
uh, are not aware of the critical history of medicine. Um, you know, like, for example, like when my wife and I first lo started looking into vaccines, um, we, you know, she went to go talk to her, uh, uh, her doctor and said, you know, I'm thinking about um, whether or not we should vaccinate our child. And, um, and the doctor, she got real mad and she said, well, yeah, of course you have to. And, um, you know, my wife said, well, I just wanted to know, you know, your thoughts on it. And she just yelled at my wife. She was just like, well, I do it. And that's all you need to know. You know, yeah. she's like, I'm very, uh, she said something stupid. Like I'm very like, uh, I, I don't know, like naturey or <laughs> some garbage like that. And, and, and I do it and, and that's all you need to know. You know, and I was like, boom, shut it down. Um, and then we went to go talk to a doctor who was um, anti-vax, and the guy sat down with us for three hours and answered all our questions, and had a we had a real talk with the guy. And it's not like I mean he's busy; like the guy's booked for years. It took us months to get on his uh, you know schedule, and um, he still he put the time aside and he said, "Yeah, you guys have questions? Let's just do it. Let's talk. Let's talk all about it." And um, that that kind of um, the, the, those are the two worlds that I think you'll experience. Um, but the, the sad truth is that most doctors are like the the first doctor. They 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 get very triggered. Um, they see it as a challenge to any challenge is a challenge to their authority. It's a challenge to their uh, to their knowledge, which frankly it is. Um, and uh, but they are not. They don't have ill will. They're not trying to hurt anyone. Um, but I think they've been a huge piece in uh, what's gone on. Um, but then, you know, the system is managed by, you know, layers of bureaucracy like the AMA, which, you know, will kick out doctors who speak out differently. Right. So you, it's very hard to practice medicine uh, if you disagree with what the AMA calls the standard of care. Right. If you... Um, in fact, they can write you up for it. They could take your license away if you uh, practice medicine in a way that is not built on uh, giving people uh, pharmaceuticals uh, and vaccines. Um, the, 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 those are the two pillars of the entire medical system, uh, that and surgery, right? So um, if you, there's very little room within the modern medical system to practice in a different way than what the medical bureaucracies want you to do. So like the, the doctor that, um, that healed my wife when she was 30, um, he was a pathologist at a major hospital in New York City, but he quit. He was so fed up with the standard of care that was being practiced at that hospital. He didn't want to just prescribe pharmaceuticals and call it a day, right? He wanted to understand why people were sick. So he left and he opened up his own practice and he was able to diagnose my wife very quickly and easily, right? And in many ways saved her life. So um, you have this huge, you know, layer of, of doctors that, that, that have played a, a gigantic role in this. And I mean, sadly, if you look back at, you know, uh, uh, at Nazism, uh, what was the profession that supported the Nazis more than any other profession? It was the doctors. And uh, they then put pressure on the nurses. And who participated in, in, in genocide uh, at a higher level than almost any other profession was the nurses who were being pressured by the doctors.
so this gets very real very fast. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I don't know if you've lost people um, to what's going on, but um, you know, my wife and I are trying to keep count. Um, I think we've seen eight um, eight people, maybe more, in the last three months that have either died or gotten a serious uh, cancer. Um, it's glaringly obvious that it's the injections. I've never had eight people in three months die or, or, or come down with a rare cancer. It's glaringly obvious. But um, people have uh, a very hard time recognizing that. And, um, and, and, and so you have, um, you have some, some degree of, of, you know, as Jung said, you don't always want to see your shadow side. Um, that's not, you know, you're, you're focused, you know, facing forward. You don't want to look behind you. Um, you have a lot of greed at the top of these companies. I mean, companies like Moderna and Pfizer, um, these companies, you know, Pfizer has been found of all sorts of criminal, you know, conduct, uh, over the decades. And, uh, you know, Moderna didn't have a, a, a marketable medical product for decades, you know, uh, until uh, until the, the the quote unquote pandemic came along and, and saved their their saved their butts, but also saved the the hedge fund investors who had put you know billions of dollars into this company and companies like it. So, um, you know, there's greed involved. There's there's people who are trying to do the right thing but don't realize it um, that what they're doing is actually quite harmful. Um, you know, you got people groups like the World Economic Forum that are, you know, trying to reshape the entire fabric of our society um, and have put people in government, you know, all over the world, um, you know, whether it's Trudeau or whether it's the woman in New Zealand or whether it's, you know, people in Europe or um, so you have like so many layers of what's happening. You And then you have like, you know, your ordinary, you know, people in your town or your city that, you know, you see it, uh, you know, the coffee shop or you see it work and, you know, they participate as well. And is it, you know, I think most people are, you know, wear masks because they think they're trying to help their grandma or they think they're trying to, you know, save their, their uncle or, you know, from getting sick or something like that. From my perspective, they're, they're, you know, participating in uh, medical marketing. That's, you know, just, it, it's certainly not helping anyone, and I think it's absolutely, you know, spreading an enormous amount of fear. Um, and you know, uh, I think just yesterday, the CNN medical advisor, uh, who had been saying, uh, "Where you got to wear your mask, got to wear your mask, it's good." I think just yesterday, she she came out. And she said, "Actually, I think it seriously impaired my child." You know, because it actually hit home. Oh my God! Yeah, you don't wear a mask every day. Because would you put it on your dog? Would you put a mask on your dog? Obviously not. It's, it's basically at that point. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's just obvious when you see a dog breathes so passionately at, at such a high rate, right? That it, it's, it's, it's palpably ridiculous to put it on your dog, right? Our breathing's a little slower. It's a little smoother. So it doesn't seem as ridiculous to stop your own breathing process as when you look at it. But, yeah, it's absurd because how do you stay healthy? Let's go back to the, the most basic things. Air. What food do you eat? Do you breathe clean air? If you can't breathe, 
you're really limiting your health, right? It's kind of so. Yeah, especially people that already have, you know, there's there's people obviously that have trouble breathing conversely than others. So you put that, then it just adds a variable to to heart, you know, a much harder time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, again, I think people who, you know, so you could start at the bottom, you could say, you know, people who are just believing in this stuff, who are scared, who are participating out of fear and concern. Um, and then you can go all the way up through the doctors, through the politicians. You know, some of them are, you know, most of them, I'm sure, just they believe, you know, the soup is good and you better participate in it. And they believe that their people believe it and they better, you know, play ball because that's the only way they're going to get reelected. Um, you know, and then I think there's just obviously there's tons of money behind it. I mean, if you look at the financial incentives that were put in place for doctors to diagnose people as uh, COVID victims, for hospitals to diagnose people as COVID victims, if uh, uh, for hospitals to put people on ventilators, for hospitals to declare that um, uh, if you uh, died uh, that you were uh, it was a COVID death. Um, yeah, we were talking about billions of dollars and you know paid out in incentives. Uh, to hospital systems, we're talking about you know, um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, handed out to countries to participate in this game. Um, there's, you know, it's it's it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I I don't think I, I don't think I can get my head around it to be honest. It's just too it's too massive. It's 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 a lot, and uh, I kind of I kind of want to wrap it right there. Uh, we're running, we're running on time, which, which, which brings me to my thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm upgrading this Zoom theme because these conversations could go longer. This is, it's quite funny on my, on my end. But tell, tell the people how, how to get to your docu series, how to learn more about the situation, and all of that. Oh yeah, great. Um, just go to www.theviraldelusion.com, and um, you can watch the first two and a half hours uh, for free. Um, and then if you're interested, uh, and you want to learn more, it's like 1199, uh, to watch the other five hours. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the doctors and the scientists that, that I was speaking with, um, are just gems. I mean, I just think they're absolute gems and you shouldn't miss them, uh, what they have to say, uh, their perspective on health, on history. Uh, it's very hard to find, and um, it's uh, uh, it's it's life changing once the coin drops. It's really um, it's really great. So um, I recommend it. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Recap Podcast. I appreciate it, and bye bye.